Good morning, everyone. It's your host, Hao. I'm the CEO of Vietcetera, and welcome to another episode of Vietnam Innovators. Uh, today, we've got a guest who is the general director of Reckitt Mead Johnson Nutrition Vietnam. Uh, his name is Soren Beck. He's been in the business for a long time, uh, but with the company here in Vietnam for five years. And he's got a lot to share, and, and we got a lot to share too, because a lot of you guys have been asking about our series called Gaima and the Gaima D Unitor. And if you don't know what that is, look it up online on Vietcetera and on Durex channels. Um, it's all about self-expression, true identity, among other topics here. And, and that's really ingrained in the brand identity of Durex too, which Soren and I will be discussing today. Soren, welcome to the studio. It's a pleasure to have you here. And it's been a few years coming that we finally met. I know our teams have been collaborating, but for us to be here today uh, is, is quite the pleasure of mine. So Thank you. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Soren, uh, let's just start off with a quick introduction uh, about yourself and and how you came to Vietnam and your career. Let's keep it at an elevator pitch and we can get into the meat of things. Well, basically, um, I'm Danish by background yes. and have lived and worked in ASEAN for mm. 20 years, 25 mm -hmm. years. And uh, basically, there was a challenge in the Meet Johnson operation. And uh, the CEO of Meet Johnson basically knew me and asked whether uh, I could recommend someone. And then I said to him, why don't I? recommend myself and basically he said okay uh, let's have a talk and then we basically discussed and uh, basically two weeks later I had a job offer to go to Vietnam okay uh, and started in 17 at Meet Johnson mm. um, and then subsequently uh, Rickett Ben Kaiser which is a British company uh, acquired Meet Johnson and then basically we integrated the two for those of you that don't know Rickett Meet Johnson it's it's the holding company of various brands, including Durex, which we'll go into today. But Soren, let's let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, enough about, you know, getting to Vietnam and all that. Soren, I, I have a question for you about, um, you know, your career and what's led you to, to build your your career around these values, including integrity. What was that, like, aha moment that as a leader, you decided that something like integrity was so foundational to your career? Was there a moment, maybe it was with a mentor, with a team, I mean, it's not just like one day you're like, okay, that's it. And then, you know, well, about 20 years ago, I, I, I was faced into a job mm. to, to clean up basically operational issues. And you, re you realize that people have really abused the company and mm. done many things, which was not right. And I called a friend of mine who is an American uh, lawyer who lives in Bangkok. And, I, and, and he said to me, son, you know, the answer already, mm. you have no choice. You need to really bring it on table and take the hard battle on cleaning these things up. So I think this was one part of, of my learning. The other part is when I was a young trainee, uh, as a very young guy, I was a trainee at Carlsberg and you understood about the cultural values that because you are different. You know, mm. I've got gray hair now, but at that time I was a young guy and you look different. So when you go out, you need to make sure that what you communicate and what you're doing, are you sincere and do you have the right integrity in what you're saying that you are sincere to the people you work with because you need to open up uh, a door which is people who are different looking, different cultural background, different upbringing and you want to build a relationship with them. The only way you can do that is that you're quite sincere in, or you are sincere in what you're doing and what you're saying. Um, so I think these two moments, one is on the professional business side, but one is on the the personal side, you want to establish relationship with people who are very different. You need to be, you know, with a sincere mindset. Otherwise, it, it will not happen. Mm -hmm. uh, lovely. I, I think uh, 
you know, today, today's podcast is kind of like the adult kind of um, <laughs> leadership, whatever you want to call it, working yeah. professional kind of values. And we'll, we'll go more into it today, everyone that's listening. Um, we're very lucky to have Soren, a, such an experienced leader, share about it, but also reflective in the brand that you guys work mm-hmm. on, right? So let's talk about the brands and, and what you guys do in Vietnam. Um, we've got quite the list here of brands. Jarx is the most visible. We have Lysol, which I, I use and I'm, I'm familiar with. Gaviscon, I don't know. Strepsilis, I, I don't know. What 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 brands does Wreck at Me Johnson touch and what are some of the most um, highlighted ones? So Enfa, which is the Meet Johnson brand, which yep. was acquired. So Meet Johnson is uh, well known among all healthcare professionals in Vietnam, mm. whether it's a doctor, or the midwife, nurses, etc. They they're very familiar with the brand Meet Johnson, mm. um, and the brand which the consumer know is Enfamel or Enfamama, um, and it's basically targeting infant formula solutions for moms who have given birth, done breastfeeding, and now they need to go back to work or. They're living at home, but they want to give a high-quality nutritional product to their to their babies and make sure they get the right start in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brand is a very emotional brand because you're living through the the period from the, when the mom realizes that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and she's you know for communicating to her husband, I'm now or boyfriend or whatever, yeah. I'm now pregnant, and then there's a whole episode which goes on for the next one thousand days mm-hmm. where. She will go to the pregnancy, she will give birth, and then the baby until about two or three years old really goes through a dramatic change. And, and that's a very emotional episode for, mm-hmm. for a mom. Yeah. And the brand really has to be part of that. You really need to make sure we do the right quality. Like in our factories in Thailand, we will produce, we will put the products away so we can do a second check before we send them out to the market because we need to make sure that the quality is there because you're talking about babies. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about a fluke cleaner. You're not talking about Lysol, uh, you know, as an example, which is a cleaning, a cleaning brand. Mm-hmm. Here's really a brand where the babies are being fed with it every day. You have a responsibility as, as a brand owner mm-hmm. to make sure this quality is really there. Sure. So, so this is probably the most emotional brand mm-hmm. uh, in terms of communicating with moms and, and working with moms. Mm-hmm. The other brand, which I think is 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 interesting, is actually uh, Dettol, which is a brand we have launched, um, trying to compete with uh, other players. That is a bit of a challenge because we have a lot of competition, which mm-hmm. is good for the consumer. But we think we have a good proposition about disinfecting. And after COVID, there's a lot of learning. From SARS, there was a lot of learning in the consumer. So we're building that brand now. But of course, it doesn't have the same awareness doesn't have the same position as a Durex or an Enfa. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two brands are much stronger and much more established. Uh, so that's why we are like the little entrepreneur who is going out there trying to get a consumer into the brand, mm-hmm. giving them samples, uh, communicating about what the value of the brand and the product. Um, so, so different portfolio. Um, and we will launch, or we are launching Finish. Finish is actually the brand for, for doing the cleaning of the dishes and put into the machine. So you get the clean, clean uh, plates, etc., for the next day. So we have very wide, wide portfolio brands. Definitely, uh, everything from starting to launching brands to to ones that are established, established yeah. household names. Yes. To, that's quite the. So spectrum. it's quite a wide, wide portfolio, mm-hmm. and 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 therefore we will also have a different experience in terms of marketing mm-hmm. capabilities and. Uh, you'll have to build a wow. team to, to be able to manage these no, I, different things. I love brands. that. You've been through other parts of Asia, Malaysia being one of them, Thailand, China, and others. Um, 
let's talk. Let's take a macro perspective on Vietnam here. What what are some signals and signs that make you excited to uh, do everything from double down on household names to to launch new brands? What are some of those highlights that you can share with our listeners today? Well, first of, first and foremost, Vietnam has opened up, and I think the the fundamental is that people want to improve their life. Mm. So there is a an eagerness, there is an interest, there is a motivation in, in, in Vietnamese to basically have a better life tomorrow. Mm. And that better life tomorrow means that they're looking for better solutions, better brands, better, better products for themselves. But they're also learning for getting better educated. You know, you work with people in the organization. Can you guide them? Can you train them? Can you develop them? Uh, to be a better leader tomorrow. So today when, when I retire and we'll sit and have a glass of wine, there'll be people in the organization where you can say, I, I help them to get along in their journey and that will help the society in the long run. Mm-hmm. Vietnam compared to many of the other ASEAN countries, there is a work attitude, which is very, very positive. Mm-hmm. There is a very positive attitude about learning mm-hmm. and they want to improve. So that eagerness, I think, is, is motivational. I think this uh, it makes you interested in working in the environment. So that's also why you see the growth. You see, uh, if you look back 20 years ago and until today, uh, the younger generation in terms of English capabilities, uh, having studied, working uh, at night time to study, to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think it's very characteristic of, of Vietnam. Mm. And, and I think it's very positive. Uh, there's also more foreign investment coming in. but. If you put in foreign investment, but you don't have the motivation in the population to really improve themselves, mm-hmm. then I think this is what you see in Vietnam, uh, and and I think this is very positive. Uh, when you launch new products in Vietnam, how how quick is the adoption compared to other markets in your experience? Is it is it is the awareness, the curiosity, pretty um, pretty strong, pretty robust? Maybe you can share um, some insights from your research. Let, let, let's say if you take example like Durex, if we launch a new variety or whatever, like 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 jeans, which we launched some years ago, mm-hmm. Vietnam don't have a, a religious issue in terms of uh, sexual well-being, protection, mm-hmm. etc. So there's not so much of a religious issue. Okay. So adaptation from that point of view becomes easier because mm-hmm. you don't work with too many taboos. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are taboos in the society. But it's not too big a barrier. Mm. If you work in some other religions, uh, it can be more of a barrier to open up uh, as quick as possible, mm. uh, and therefore adaptation will be longer because you work, you have to be more sensitive about how you challenge the society. Because when you go out with a new condom brand, you are challenging a bit taboos and and you are a little bit at the edge. So you have to be a bit sensitive about what you don't overstep. And, and do the wrong things in terms of religious taboos, etc. Mm. You need to respect that. Yeah, uh, that's a big one. So I would say, from that point of view, Vietnam has been quite early about adapting to things. And of course, the whole mobile, mobile network, the whole mobile, mobile phone uh, adaptation among Vietnamese means that it's quicker to get things going on digital than maybe mm. some of the other markets. Okay. Uh, because Vietnamese are really into. Let's say 1.5 phone, everybody. So you can't have a conversation without there's a phone. Sure, sure. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Moving from the U.S., I came here not having an Instagram, not having a Facebook. I just, here's my phone number, text me. And suddenly you have like 10 chat apps and all that. So uh, reaching the consumers is not really a pain point necessarily. It's about getting their attention, if anything. Uh, Let's talk about, um, you know, Wreck-It, Me, Johnson, 
huge global brands and, and that helps to reinforce certain values uh, of, of global brands that have um, been around in business for that long, right? 200 years, it sounds like. How does uh, the brand rep respond to local competition? Because uh, is it a household name in Vietnam? Various brands are, the, the, the brand, the bigger company, not as much as a corporate brand, of course. But how do you see yourself responding and, and coexisting in a market where local competitors, I'm sure, are quite... I think the way we differentiate is more on focusing on science, uh, research papers behind the brand, and making sure that that high premium proposition we're trying to stick to, uh, that we do that in all aspects. Mm. But we can, we can really do uh, a value-added proposition, a needs proposition, where we drive uh, better quality products, but for the consumer who is willing to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And it's the same we do, let's say, for, for Durex. We also stay very focused on what we are as a brand but also what you add around a brand. Uh, it can be under science or it can be in terms of the image you build around, uh, like Durex, for instance. Yeah, you yeah. risk becoming a commodity. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, yeah. everything is a commodity, but yeah, it's, it's, it's also powered by the brand. Yeah. And if you guys yeah. starts with the, the staff and the brand values, integrity, yeah. for example, and that translates hopefully into yes. scientific backing. <laughs> and yeah. you know, going, going to the Gutma example, I call it IP, intellectual property. It's kind yeah. of something we've built together and have invested in. You know, we talk about um, in that show so many different kind of topics. At the end of the day, it's it's content, but it stands for something, right? It's not just about the views and, and the engagement, but leading in that conversation. And, and hopefully that's translated into some results yeah, for yeah. you guys and us. Let, let's talk about Gaima a little bit. I uh, We have a few more notes here. But um, from your understanding, Soren, uh, you might know more than myself, actually. Mm-hmm. How did the whole uh, Gaima example kind of uh, get started for you guys? Why, why were you interested in investing in this kind of storytelling and content to help build the, the brand of Durex? Well, we have a, we have a very young, energetic team mm-hmm. who um, are very engaged with the, the consumer group and basically uh, through work with MOH and NGOs, etc. cetera, uh, I think the whole idea about uh, engaging with the consumer to talk about themselves came partly from our consumer research in the region, but also from the team, mm. feeling that was a way to engage with the consumer. And and basically the local team did a great job in driving that. Um, and then working with the different partners on, on, on coming up with these stories. Okay, um, But there was some fundamental consumer research about where the mm. brand should be. On a global scale, uh, the, the global lead for, for Durex is basically trying to make it into more a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, drives some of these a proposition around creating stories around the brand, etc., which is what we now have worked on together in, in Vietnam. Why is it important to um, collaborate with, let's say, the Ministry of Health on, on these kind of initiatives as well, in your opinion? First of all, first of all it gives credibility versus the consumer mm-hmm. that you're endorsed by you know, a government institution which uh, is trying to to build the right understanding and education. Mm. So there's a whole endorsement part. Uh, the second part is that they're able to reach out to areas where we might not be able to reach mm. out. And I think they will be able to reach out to consumer base sometime in a way which we will not be able to do alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the NGOs will be able to assist on that as well. So that you are not trying to be just, you can do everything yourself. You need yeah. to find good partnership. Um, and each of those partners have different values that can add into the whole project. Uh, you yourself, your your team adds a lot of value into the to the whole project. 
Um, so I think this is about finding the right partnership on who can do what and help us to bring this message across to, let's say, the right audience, mm. 18 to 25. Yeah, yeah. But, but MOH, I think, that gives a lot of credibility to the Yeah, project. of course. The scientific yeah. backing yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. I mean, you guys yeah. have that as well, but as a commercial brand, yeah, yeah, but us as the content yeah. providers, we yes. can't say we're time yeah. scientists. We yeah. don't do those things, but yeah. we can share. Okay, excellent. Um, let, let's talk about um, you know the, the growth of FMCG in Vietnam. You mentioned you arrived here in 2017. Mm. How many, how many Durex uh, were you guys selling back in 2017 compared to now? Do you, do you uh, we, share that, that we probably grown uh, compound growth rates maybe I think about 17 18 percent for the last five years okay uh, but we also have other brands like Gavis consumer you might not know so much it's a gastro brand okay so that means when you drink beer mm. and you have too much acidity in your stomach okay. next day's morning you might want to take Gaviscon. Mm. and actually that brand we have also had a very good growth so mm. it also reflect that there's a change in the consumer's lifestyle mm. um, so that's part of the growth, both behind Durex, but also behind Gaviscon. Mm -hmm. People get more money. Uh, the middle class will go out and eat and entertain. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a better nightlife. And then automatically you get more usage of Durex, mm -hmm. but you also get more usage of Gaviscon, which mm -hmm. is uh, basically helping you on acidity in your stomach. Okay? Yeah. Um, so it's actually a very strong brand in the pharmacy chain. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we're both selling Durex, Gaviscon, and Stripsell. Mm -hmm. So so that whole O2C portfolio is is doing mm -hmm. well. Okay. Uh, and we have a good team who have been driving that. Uh, really a team effort we've mm -hmm. been driving that. Yeah, I, I saw a pretty interesting statistic the other day that, um, so in June, every year in Vietnam, uh, students from high school take the national exit exam, preparing for university. Mm -hmm. And there was something like 1.1 million that took that exam. So basically, there's 1.1 million new 18-year-olds yes. in Vietnam pretty much every year for the next, I don't know, decade yeah. or two decades even. And how many of those are um, learning English or scoring higher than their peers just the year before? And, mm -hmm. and those numbers are, are, are increasing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that gets me excited about some of these products that you guys are selling yeah. because, you know, they require a bit more education or even, uh, I mean, money is another thing too. But uh, hopefully that compounding, I, I think, will just continue. But, but I think you, you touch the right word there, that's education. There, mm. is, there is a lot of need for more education mm. of, um, let's say, a young person at the age of 17, 18, or 16, 17, 18. Mm. They're going out for their own experience about, you know, sexually who they are. Mm. We have a role to play in educating, and that's why it's important to work with MOH. Ministry of Education and work with the government institution about taking away the tabooness about sex because it is natural. Mm -hmm. It's not un, un, it's not non-natural. It's really natural, mm -hmm. and you have a role to play in terms of educating and bringing knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was 12, 13 mm -hmm. years old, mm -hmm. my dad was in the education system, and I had the first time sexual education. So you can imagine, I was very young. And he will ask me during the dinner table whether I've had sexual education today mm -hmm. in school. Mm -hmm. And I had to say to him, yes. Yeah. So what was my experience about it? And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm not mature enough yet to understand. Mm -hmm. But at least understood a bit about that this is how you get a baby. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important that we, both as a brand Durex, but also with the government institution, work on that we want to educate the young so they're better. It, it can help on... A lot of other things which are happening. You you didn't want to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. You got uh, VDs which you didn't want to get, and you're just maybe trying to explore. 
and understand who you are sexually. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is a clear role we have to play. Mm-hmm. And, and it is education which can bring the generation forward. And you know, you said 1.1 million. Yeah, that's a lot of lot of young people. We need to make sure we take care. Of. Yeah, and that refreshes every year. Yes, every, yeah. one one million plus are becoming 18 every <laughs> yes, year. And yes. if, if you're not. Yeah talking to them now when mm. when will you talk to them yeah, right and yeah. they risk even that one year of not knowing about sexual education among other things yeah. I, i've got a question about the macro conditions um there's talk about you know a recession or a slowdown at least in vietnam or just generally the world we're not feeling it too much yet in vietnam but you know it's possible how how resilient do you think the market will be even if a slowdown does happen when you consider the compounding growth rate Incomes will likely continue rising anyways in consumer preferences. I love your comment on that because in the FMCG industry, you guys are fairly resilient, I would have to say. I mean, people still have to buy, you know, the yeah, small yeah. everyday kind of products, right? What, what's your comment on that? How, how do you see the market well, responding? Cost structures are going up for everybody. Mm. So that means both your competitor and yourself. Mm. So that in one way, everybody needs to work on that. Mm-hmm. In milk, raw materials are going up. Freight the delivery of the products into the market, the, the packaging material, everything is going up. And this is something we all need to work on. Mm. Uh, internally, we're working very aggressively on trying to find cost saving, either in terms of packaging formats or ingredient formats. So mm. we try to find a way to get the costing right mm-hmm. so we don't have to impose all that cost increase over to the consumer. Right. Now, in terms of how will the consumer react, I think the upper income level in Vietnam would not have the same impact mm-hmm. as the real, let's say, middle-low income. The mm-hmm. middle-low income will feel much more the impact of these cost increases and, and inflation. You saw it after COVID. Uh, a lot of temporary workers, as I said, will lose their job. Right. And they need to get back and get their own footing right. And, and that's where you will see that there will be uh, consumers making a choice to go for lower cost product, mm. or they might hold back on that investment in a new mobile phone mm-hmm. because they need to pay some bills which are coming up. So I think you will see slightly different between the different income levels where the high income earners will maybe not on the FMCD side make you know, really big differences mm-hmm. in change in what they buy. But for the middle and lower, for the low income, definitely there'll be trade-offs where uh, they will either have to make decision about I don't buy or I switch to a lower cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Okay. Even talking about like cost savings, you guys sell millions of um, of these SKUs yeah. per SKU like every year, if not tens of millions, um, if not more. Even the you mentioned packaging, packaging. Uh, even the shape of the box, you, if you make one minor adjustment, that could literally save you hundreds of thousands of dollars probably, yes. right? Uh, it's also about driving more productivity on, on people, not only mm-hmm. in the product, but also about our team. Let's say uh, how many promoters, how many salespeople we have. Mm-hmm. We need to drive more productivity per person. So they, there's a lot of focus on that we are driving efficiencies in the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll do that by when there's a switch in the channel, let's say there's more change coming up, then we will have to do a different setup than if it's a lot of traditional stores. And this means we need to drive that efficiency all the time mm-hmm. because people are not going to hold back on salaries. Yeah. If we don't pay them what the market pays, they're exactly. going to look for the competitor who might be willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So we have to drive efficiency and productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not only the product, it's also in the people and how we operate. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you keep uh, customer loyalty? If, it, if it's not about price, well, what investments are you looking to make there? 
to, to maintain that. In terms of customers and having them to be loyal to our brand and, and working with us on our brand, we have to keep on looking at what margin do they make? Do they make profit? And we need to be cautious about we're not overselling into market. So you get too much stock and then they end up being price competition between the different channels. So that's a bit of a challenge sometimes, especially when you have new change coming up competing with the traditional store. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to, to be careful about how we handle it and make sure we still stay in good relationship with the traditional store as well as we need to serve the needs of the new stores. And that's a bit of a challenge on the customer side. Mm-hmm. On the consumer side, I would say that the loyalty really comes from building that brand equity. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back and look at the brands you've been buying at FMCG, how many have you really switched? And mm-hmm. if you look back at your mom's kitchen, she will probably not have switched a lot of brands right. uh, in the household. So people are not switching that frequent if they're satisfied with the brand and they feel that the brand is engaged with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important we keep on being engaged with the consumers on the brand and the brand value, which is for a direct safe sex. So it's really about being relevant for the consumer when talking about building that loyalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the customer, we need to make sure that they make, they make uh, a profit on selling our brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that part because... Uh, you know, you mentioned the new stores. We're talking mm-hmm. like convenience stores, yeah. like yeah. the likes of Family Mart the, and Seven yeah, yeah, Eleven and such. Yeah. Uh, the chains, right? The branded chains, yeah. and then you have the the mom and pop shops, yeah. which are much more ubiquitous, from yes. my understanding. Yes. I don't yes. know a whole yes. ton about this. You know much more than I do, I'm sure. No, but it's very clear. Yeah. You t- you can take within Infant Formula. You have the mm-hmm. upcoming of the mom and baby store change. Mm-hmm. You, you have three or four chains coming up in mom and baby stores. You have in pharmacy side. You have three or four chains coming up. Mm-hmm. They're coming into the pharmacy side, mm-hmm. and this, of course, changing the dynamics in that industry. Mm-hmm. You had the, the convenience stores coming up. So this is changing the dynamics in the retail uh, universe, but mm-hmm. still, you still have the bigger portion coming from the independent stores. Yeah. So you need to keep the balance between you working with chains mm-hmm. and working with individual stores. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are certain competitive issues sometime in the market you need to manage well. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to have a negative customer. You want to have a positive customer who is happy with the, the service and the relationship. Well, what's but, the breakdown of, of volumes being sold between the two? Well, let's say for chains now, mm-hmm. in pharmacy, less than 10% is sold to the chain. Mm-hmm. But if you go back four years ago, you would not see all these chains. Yeah, right. So it will come quite rapidly when they go from 10 to 20. Mm-hmm. And then they become a quite significant player for a brand. Um, so a brand like Durek, we need to be at the forefront with this pharmacy chain mm-hmm. uh, because they will invest in visibility, they will invest in brand image, uh, and we need to be part of that brand image when they are building up their consumer base. Mm-hmm. How do you guys see um, that, that, that habit? I'm sure during no, you know, a lot of e-commerce and suddenly it's being pulled back a little bit. Um, what, what's your take on that distribution? Let's say two things. One is that the platforms also face a higher cost structure mm. because of logistic costs, mm. distribution costs, etc. And if consumers are a bit more uh, selective in what they spend on, mm-hmm. so after COVID, you don't have the restriction on where you can go shopping. So the consumer will be maybe more open about going to both an on- offline store as well as an online store. Mm-hmm. So there's more competition versus the online store. Yeah. And they need to operate uh, more cost efficient. So therefore, you will see that they have done a number of things to drive more cost efficiency. At the same time, the 
offline stores have built their understanding on online business. Mm-hmm. So today, some of our businesses with the offline stores running e-commerce is actually getting up to the same level as the pure platform. Mm-hmm. So you will see a different competition now mm-hmm. between the offline stores who needs to offer to the consumer the convenience of an e-com solution mm-hmm. and home delivery competing with the, the platforms. Um, so there's no doubt that that competition, in one way, it will help the consumer. Mm-hmm. They, they get a cheaper solution. Exactly. They get more choices, uh, but it puts pressure on the manufacturers in terms of how can you sustain mm. uh, these different channels. Right. And if you compare Indonesia and Vietnam, it's very clear these two markets are really driving a lot on uh, e-com side, picking up the volume to the consumer. And, and the high mobile phone penetration in Vietnam is, mm-hmm. is also supporting the e-com solution. Yeah. One of the habits I, I learned from that session with Meta and Bain & Company was that the customer journey is often discovery yeah. online. Yeah. And then they actually just go to the shop to yeah. verify or maybe yeah. even the other way around. But either way, it involves both. Yeah. And then the purchase is made online. This is increasingly yeah. the habit. And I think for you guys too, right? Because no, you mentioned about customer loyalty. Once someone very buys clear. that dishwashing brand or yeah. that condom yeah. brand or, or even Gavascom, let's say, yeah. once they have that habit, it's almost like, um, like on Amazon, for instance, when I lived in the US, they had this feature. It's like, uh, buy and save, like if you have a recurring buy option, like every two weeks, it's just yeah. automatically sent to it's sent yeah. to you kind of thing. So yeah, I, I mean, offline is almost obviously like that, like a uh, brand verification kind of opportunity. You can see the product in person and build that trust. Yeah, but you will see it not only not only in in the consumer doing it. You also mm. see our GT retailer mm. will check all automatically. They will check on their mobile phone when yep. the salesman goes to the GT store mm. and saying, "Would you like to buy XYZ brand? Mm-hmm. Here is our promotion." Then the retailer will also verify whether that pricing he is being offered is competitive versus what he can buy on the platform. Mm-hmm. Or he can see that the competitors are offering yep. on online. Mm. So of course, the mobile phone has given uh, a small retailer a lot more transparency about what pricing is. Mm. Uh, it means that it becomes much more competitive. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's good for the consumer, yep. uh, and, and it, it gives them a better better choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt that when someone is buying a dishwasher machine, they're checking. Who is selling it at the mm. lowest cost when they find out what model they want so yeah. they will go through that journey mm. um yeah and it gives more transparency to the consumer um, so many cool insights more competitive <laughs> well sorry you know your role as uh, general director of record me johnson vietnam um so many cool insights to, to glean from um that helps see where society is going you know and this this leads me to my next question uh, i always ask this um for for brand leaders in vietnam um, are you guys hiring? Because I think uh, for, for young people, especially, you know, wanting to learn from these insights, be on the ground, see we are, we are hiring and, <laughs> and the challenge is how to get good talent mm. uh, in some areas because is that a challenge there, is a, for you? There, there are some challenges on mm. getting uh, the right quality, the right education. Mm. Uh, it is a challenge in some of it. Mm. Um, and those who have the talent and who understands that, they, they will not hold back on communicating that they are offers outside. Mm. It was funny yesterday, I went for a dinner, met one of our customers and he said, oh, I know this person in your organization. He has said, probably you interviewed the person to see whether they're suitable <laughs> for a job. And he admitted, yes, he had tried to hire mm. uh, the person. So 
it, it is a it's a it's not an easy job market. Mm -hmm. There are not so many, so so you 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 automatically need to be competitive mm -hmm. versus the market. How, how um, many brands in total are you guys? Just um, so in in reality, we have nutrition brand. We have three or four brands on our nutrition, mm -hmm. and then on the on the health, we have uh, basically the three brands we talked about: Gaviscon, Stripsil, and and Durex. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we are building the hygiene business. We have three business units basically globally. So on on hygiene, we're building Finish. Uh, which is the dishwashing det detergent. Um, so these three business units basically have multiple brands, mm -hmm. um, and we have different setup with distributors. Okay, well, great for those of you listening or watching today's podcast. If you want to work with Soren mm -hmm. and his team, they're watching here today too. Yeah. Um, please reach out to him and his team. I'm sure they're hiring a bunch, and I know you guys are really motivated. That's why you're watching this show. I'm sure he'd love to receive a message from you guys. Um, Soren, is there anything else that you'd like to share about uh, about your work and your team and, and anything else? No, I, I just would like to thank you and your team for the, the great cooperation we had on Durex. Uh, we've been working with MOH, the, the British Embassy, mm. um, NGOs, etc. And uh, honestly, it's a pleasure to see the, the engagement mm -hmm. and whether they are just new in sexual experience or they they have a homosexual relationship or whatever. The fact is that they are willing to come out and being open and transparent. Mm. Uh, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a very positive um, feeling of being engaged in, in driving something positive for the society. Excellent. So, Great. Yeah, I, I went to my first uh, uni tour, uh, you know, some months back, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to one later this week, actually, in yeah. Hanoi. Very inspiring, and um, I love how you guys lead yeah. by, by that example at Durex. So uh, thank you for partnering with us. Yeah. It keeps me young also. Well, you heard from him, guys. Uh, great advice and insights and sharings about the business of uh, Reckitt Me Johnson Nutrition Vietnam. Soren, thank you for joining today's show. And, you know, great examples. I'm, I'm learning a lot from you. Uh, just mini MBA session this morning. And we hope to have you back on the show soon or uh, someone from your team. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Vietnam Innovators. It's every week. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. And we hope you enjoyed this one. See you next time. Bye-bye. Viglacera Corporation is the largest real estate and building materials group in Vietnam, as well as the largest industrial park operator in Vietnam. 48 years of excellence makes Viglacera a leading full-service provider of sustainable and high-quality building materials. Having a total of 40 subsidiaries, Viglacera covers the entire real estate and building materials spectrum. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week, so don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content.